All right, we've been started last week with uh, some practical things, and I've had a couple of suggestions uh, from some folks, and we'll, we'll be looking at those uh, in weeks to come. But we are going to look tonight at how to overcome temptation as we deal with and look at just practical things in life and how-tos, you know, how to, how to have a good family, you know, maybe how to be a, uh, a good father or mother or how to, uh, you know, be a good church member or how to study the Bible, um, how to be a soul winner, how to reach the lost with the message of the gospel, Jesus Christ, you know, how there's just a lot of different topics uh, that have come up over the years, questions people have asked, and so we're going to tackle those. But uh, as a Christian, it is God's desire that we live a, Christ- a victorious Christian life. And so if you would, turn your Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And there should be a Bible in front of you in the pew there if you didn't have one with you and would like to follow along. But in 1 Corinthians 10, we're going to our text will be verses 13 through 15. You know, temptation, temptation is a part of life. It's a fact. Uh, you know, as you get older, sometimes uh, maybe your, your, what tempts you changes uh, I think the size and the magnitude of your temptation changes. We were just joking in the foyer a few minutes ago about somebody in the church that's very generous, and you've got to be careful what you mention around them because they, they'll probably end up giving it to you. You know, if you joke and say, boy, that's really nice, or man, did you bring me one of those? You better be careful because they're probably going to say, yes, here you go, and give you theirs. And so uh, one of the men was joking and said, well, next week I'm going to ask her when she gets out of her car. Boy, I really like your car. <laughs> see, what, see what happens. Uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes the size and magnitude of our temptations grows a little bit. You know, kids are, are tempted to, to steal or to take something as small as a piece of candy or a few pennies or some change off a of dad's dresser or, you know, their temptations are very small. And that gives us time, hopefully, to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and train them in the way they should go so that they'll get their temptation under control so they don't one day steal a car. You know, they don't one day end up in prison because they never got those things under control. But you and I, we know and understand that temptation is real. It's a part of the Christian life. And doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter how spiritual you think you are, how much time. You know, it's amazing. You can just have an amazing time in the Word of God. You can just have a wonderful time in prayer and get up and Satan is right there, ready to tempt you. Ready? You think, how in the world? I am like Mr. Spiritual right now. I am on fire for God. God is speaking to my heart. And then Satan is there. You're thinking, how can this possibly be? That's because we know that he is as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And his desire is to bring us all under temptation. For some, beloved, the pattern of failure in their life has left them feeling as though there's no possible solution. It's left them thinking that there is no hope of victory, that it's impossible to to actually live as an overcomer for Jesus Christ. The world is too appealing. The devil's too strong. Their own flesh is too enticing. I mean, when our own heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, what hope is there? If not their own pattern of failure, then sometimes, and especially in today's world, the ever-increasing failure that we see in leaders of Christendom or men and women that we looked up to, 
I can't tell you the, the, the numbers of times in my life where somebody that I looked to and thought, man, this is a godly guy. This is a, uh, an upstanding Christian. This is a guy that I want to pattern my life after. And then you see that Satan gets them. And they fall into sin. And I especially as a young Christian, as a young man, I looked at that and I said, if, <laughs> if he can't make it. I mean, if he, if, if he can't be victorious, what hope do I have to be victorious? And it almost makes you want to throw in the towel. It's just so discouraging when Satan gets somebody, isn't it? But beloved, you're not that individual. I mean, we have a promise from God that the victorious Christian life is available to us and we can't overcome temptation. The solution is, is to give in. I mean, the, the opposite side, you say, well, I'm so discouraged, I don't know if it's even worth it. Well, you have one of two options. You can either quit and give in to Satan and let him have control in your life, or you can continue to stand against him and to try and do what's right. So I hope and implore and encourage you to stand against Satan and continue to fight against the wiles of the devil. I want you to know that the victorious Christian life and the ability to overcome temptation is available to you. You can do it. There's a lot in the Bible about temptation. We could look at different individuals that gave in to temptation and study their life, like Achan, who gave in to the temptation and took of that which was belonged to God, or, or David, that story that everybody knows when he it was a time when kings went to battle and he was on the roof and he looked, and the progression of sin that took place in his life because he gave in to one temptation. The first temptation was, I mean, we talk about the sin he had with Bathsheba, but you know, the first temptation was when he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And sometimes we forget about that. One of the best things to help you avoid or stay out of temptation is to be where God wants you to be. Be where you're supposed to be, and that'll, that'll help you. We could look at men in the Bible who overcame temptation or didn't give in, like Joseph, tempted by Potiphar's wife. And the Bible tells us, of course, that you know, he ran. He says, man, how can I do this great wickedness against God? And what a powerful story and the lessons that we can learn from Joseph or Daniel, these men who stood in the face of adversity and they were victorious. All these lessons are available to us. But if we are going to be an overcomer, I want to look at this text, which you've turned to in the Word of God. It's one of the key passages with regards to temptation. And we'll take our outline from these tonight, these, these few verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, really verse number 13 and 14. He says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Would you pray with me and ask God to speak with our hearts as we look at this overcoming temptation. Lord, I ask you tonight to give me liberty to preach 
that you would take your word and apply it to the hearts of your people, that you would speak to them. Lord, we need to be drawn into your presence. We need to be given the, the assurance and the confidence in our spirit that we can overcome temptation because Satan would have us live discouraged and defeated lives. And we know, God, that's not your desire. And Lord, greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world. And you can give us victory. And I pray, God, that we would be assured of that fact, that we would see the biblical principles to overcoming and implement those in our lives that we could live victorious. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. First of all, tonight, if you're going to be an overcomer, overcomer uh, and be able to overcome temptation, I want you to see that temptation is common. He says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. You know, temptation is a part and comes to every believer's life. Uh, it says there, no temptation. No temptation is new. There is no temptation that you're going to face that somebody hasn't faced before you. There, oh, it might not be, your temptation might not be the same temptation that Miss Trudy has, but somebody has faced a temptation that you have, and somebody is facing and dealing with the temptation that she has. We all, at different stages in our life, have different things that maybe grab a hold of us, and there's different areas where we're tempted. And sometimes we know there are seasons of temptation. And we've got to be especially strong and, and vigilant during those seasons of great temptation. We know Christ at times took a season to get away and pray when Satan was especially coming after him. And he knew he needed that. We, not, we need to know that it's common, this word taken. There hath no temptation taken you. That word taken is seized, attacked, captured. You know how, how temptation comes to you and it grabs a hold of you? A temptation, it grabs your mind, it, it grabs your heart, it grabs your eyes. The eye gate is an amazing tool that Satan uses to, to, to tempt us. Uh, and it, it grabs a hold of you. And I'll tell you what, that's the thing. Sometimes we feel like, oh, I can't, I can't get victory. I can't let that go. Or that, that it, it, it's taken you, but it's, everybody's dealt with it. You can't say, oh, this is new. Nobody has faced this before. Nobody's been challenged with this. No, nobody understands my situation. No, it's nothing's new under the sun. That word common there means the same. Means ordinary. Means everybody has dealt with it in some aspect. Solomon tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. We know, beloved, that regardless of whatever your burden or problem is, whatever temptation it is that you face, that it's not new. Go all the way back into the pages of Scripture, as I said, and we could look at story after story of men who uh, either gave into or tempted by or, or ultimately won victory over, but they were tempted. Even Christ himself, who was tempted. He was tempted. He says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15, he says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Christ himself was tempted with the passions of the heart that we're tempted with. Oh, Christ wasn't tempted to, to covet a Tesla. You know, that wasn't on Christ's want list. But he was tempted to covet and want, tempted to desire. Satan comes to him and says, hey, 
uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you everything that your eye can see. Oh. Isn't that how much of our media is driven today? Just through the eye gate, just that desire to want and to have and to attain more and more. And I encourage you tonight by saying Satan has no new tools. There is no Gen 2 of Satan's tactics. Now, some of you ladies might not know that description, but they, the tools come off, are designed and built now in generations. They have the first generation of that tool, and then they have the second gen. And they'll say, this is Gen 2. It's the drill goes faster, and it's so many bumps per minute, and it's this much, it can, you know, do this, and, and it's that much improved. And some of the Milwaukee drills are now on Gen 4, Generation 4, and they've got lots of technology. They can connect to your phone, and you can set them up to do particular things, and uh, especially like for drilling through concrete or metal. You can set the kind of metal you're drilling through, and it'll adjust the speed automatically for you. Lots of things. Oh, it's really fancy. It's worth getting the new one because now you can connect it to your phone, and before, before you couldn't. You know, there's just Gen 2, Gen 3. Well, Satan has no new generation of tools. It's the same tools he was using all the way back in the Bible. And you can be victorious because men and women before you have been victorious. A temptation is a desire, it's a lust, a passion that you have. I know many times we look at and think of temptation in, in the idea of, especially if you use the word lust, it's, it's looked at with regards to immorality. But you know, there's so many other ways in which we're tempted. Maybe we're tempted to lose our, our own temper, to lose, you know, to get angry, to, to be angry. We're, we're tempted to covet. We're, we're tempted to uh, lie or cheat, be dishonest, or to handle something in, in a less than, than upright fashion. You know, we were joking about that in the foyer, and it, what we were just joking. But, you know, at Home Depot, when you buy wood, uh, they, they, when it gets warped, they spray paint it purple. And so John was telling us he'll go through Home Depot for us and spray everything purple, and then we'll go through and buy it afterwards. You know, <laughs> it's all 70% off if it has a purple line on it, you know. And, but isn't that the way the human mind works? Except for the spirit of God and the strength to know that what's right and wrong, men live that way. And they don't think anything of it. They feel like, oh, if I could do that and get away with it, it's okay. It's common. Some are tempted by power or position to attain that which they shouldn't have. There's many areas in which we are tempted maybe to gossip and talk about others. There's, there's many areas, and we know in our heart when we're not pleasing the Lord. So I just want you to know tonight that temptation is common, that men have faced it, and they've been victorious in the past, and with God's power, you can be victorious as well. The reason we can be victorious, I want you to see secondly, is because temptation is controlled. He says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able. 
It's controlled. God controls the level of your temptation. Now there is a, sometimes, I don't think it's said on purpose, but there is the idea uh, that's stated sometimes. It's not necessarily correct or not necessarily biblical where people say, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. And that is, comes from this verse here. But the idea is that God will never give you more than you can handle with his strength. There will be many times in our lives that we will face or find ourselves in a place where we say, it's too much. I can't do this. But with God, all things are possible. And that's where the grace of God comes through in a very powerful way in your life and ministers to your soul and gives you the strength that you need. How many of you know and understand that when life's burdens get extra heavy, God's grace gets extra strong? God says in James chapter 4 and verse number 6, but he giveth more grace. I can't hear that verse without thinking, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. He giveth more grace. And in your hour of need, in your hour of trouble, your struggle, when temptation is at its greatest, I suppose probably the greatest hour of temptation for our Lord and Savior is when he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, thy will be done. If it's possible, this, I don't want to go through this. But I'm going to submit to your will, Lord. There's times, beloved, when the temptation is great, but I want you to know that God knows what you're going through and he knows what you need to get through it and he controls, he's faithful, he's there, and he sets the bounds of your temptation. He controls the type, the time, the temperature of every temptation. Now, beloved, just for clarification, I want you to know that the Bible is very clear that God does not tempt us. God cannot commit sin, neither would he tempt anybody else to commit sin. So there's times which we learn from the life of Job that God allowed temptation to come. There's times when God would bring, in in the scriptures at times, a a test is called a temptation. It's a test. And so you might go through a test, but it's not being tempted to sin, not being tempted to do wrong. But what we're dealing with tonight when we're talking about the idea of, of overcoming temptation is that temptation to sin. So I want you to know it doesn't come from God. But at the same time, I want you to know that God does not allow even Satan to come and to tempt you above that which you're able you know in the discussion that we learned about Job that he comes and, and uh, he says, well, you know, obviously Job loves you. Obviously he serves you because look, look at what you do for him. And so God controlled, set the bounds of what could happen to Job. And he says, well, you can touch his family and possessions, but don't touch him. Well, okay, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. He, he set the control, and, and God is in control. And so if you have a temptation come into your life, you know that God has allowed it, not necessarily brought it, not necessarily handed it to you or, or tempted you with it, but he allowed it to come, and God has given you a way to escape. 
He allows temptation to come into our lives for a couple of reasons. First of all, is to prove us. To prove us. He said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, he says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold perisheth though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory. God wants to prove you and I. I don't know about you, but I believe that every one of you here want to pass the test. You want to pass the test. You have that desire in your heart. When God brings a test into your life, you know, sometimes my kids are getting older and the transition of life is challenging for me, so forgive me. <laughs> uh, it's, each stage has its blessings. But you know, when the kids were a little younger, you're trying to train them. And so you might put out a test for them. And by the way, you don't want to uh, childproof your house. You want to houseproof your child. So we did not put breakable things out of their reach. We taught them not to break them. That that is, you don't touch that. And so what I would do is I would take that something breakable, and they've been instructed, they've been told not to touch it. And up here they can't reach it, but what I would do is I would sit it down here. They can reach it there. You say, why do you do that? They're going to knock it off there. No, it's an opportunity to train. So I'll set it there. And there's all these toys. The whole floor is full of toys, right? They could play with all that. But what do they want? The one thing Dad said, don't touch. Just like Eve, right? Eve, you know, God said, you can have every tree in the garden (laughs) except this one. So that's sinful nature. And you turn your back. But you're kind of watching, right? As a dad, you're kind of watching that he'll stand up and touch it. And so you go and you train him. Listen, no, we don't touch that. That's not for you. Well, I look at my Heavenly Father sometimes, and, you know, I don't know that that's the best example, but I know that he looks into our life and he says, okay, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this test that's been brought into your life? And as you're going through a temptation, if you just think about it from the aspect of your Heavenly Father is watching, and you have the opportunity to put a smile on His face, an opportunity to come through that and do what you know your Heavenly Father wants you to do, to be victorious, He proves us as Christians with those tests. Sometimes he's doing it to prepare us. He's doing it to prepare us because who knows what the next stage or step of our life is going to be. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange things happened unto you. 
He says, you have a fiery trial that's coming to your life. Don't think it just strange or like, why did this happen? Uh, this is kind of unusual or, or not. He says, no. He says, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. When his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. He's preparing you for the next stage of life. He's preparing you for the ability maybe to help somebody else. He's preparing you. You say, boy, this challenge is great. This challenge is too hard. You know, we have had the opportunity to offer grief share at the church here. A ministry where we were there for 13 weeks walking with people through the greatest burden and tragedy of their life when they suffer, suffer great loss. And, you know, several people came to grief share not because they needed ministered to in their heart, but because they desired, they've been through this. They understand loss. They, they are feeling what people that are coming to grief share are feeling. And they're there because they want to help those that are coming to know they're not alone. And sometimes things that you've gone through has prepared you for what God has for you next. And he also sometimes allows temptation into our life to promote us. James chapter 1, verse number 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Are we going to pass the test? Can he promote us? That word tried literally means to be proven, to be tested. You know, God has a plan for our life. And he knows what he's doing. We should rejoice at the aspect or the prospect of passing the test. There's a song that goes like this. Tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. We don't know sometimes why the temptations have come, why the challenges have come, why this test is going, we're going through. But he says, hey, one day we'll understand it all. We'll understand it by and by because God has a plan. And he's allowed this, but he's controlled. He's controlled the temptation that's come into your life, the tests that have come into your life to prepare you, to promote you, to prove, prove you. I want you to see lastly this evening that temptation is conquerable. Temptation is conquerable. He says there, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. And then he says, But will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. God has provided an escape. Beloved, to be tempted is not sin. Christ himself was tempted. We read that earlier, where he was tempted in all points like we are, but without sin. So to be tempted is not sin, but when we give in to that temptation, when we yield to it, when we, when we don't overcome it, that's when it becomes sin. And so, I want you to understand that we can conquer temptation. 
He says here that he has, with that temptation, also made a way to escape. So I've taken that word, escape. God, that's a two-part word, and it means literally to walk away. But God has given us a way to escape temptation, whatever the temptation is. And so I took that, turned it into an acronym. We're going to look at escape. And this, I guess, would be the heart of the message. If we are answering the question, how to overcome temptation, this would be how to overcome temptation. Because God has offered us a way of escape. So what is the escape? Just going to give you some scripture principles here as we look at it, and we'll be quick. He says here, well, the first thing is expect it to come. Expect it to come. We know, we've read it already, that all temptation is common to man. Everybody is tempted. In James chapter 1, and verse number 13, he says, Let no man say, when he is tempted, that I'm tempted of Christ. But that statement there is, let no man say, when he is tempted. So, it doesn't say, if he's tempted. There is the implication in that text that, All men are going to face temptation. He says, hey, when temptation comes, don't say it came of Christ. Don't say that I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So we need to expect it. We need to realize it. You know, half the battle is knowing that you're in a war. Half the battle is just knowing that that, that it's there and there's a challenge coming and, and preparing yourself to be able to stand. Have any of you ever had a difficult conversation that you knew you'd have with somebody? In your heart and mind, like, okay, John has come to church with that same tie on every week for the last six weeks. And he's a good guy, but I got to tell him, you got to stop wearing that tie, you know. And so you, you're, you're approaching him with some apprehension, thinking he's not going to like what I have to say. But you get yourself ready for it, right? In your heart and in your mind, you prepare and you say, okay, this is going to be the best way to deal with this. I don't want to be offensive, but I, I want to tell him how important this is. And, and so you, you prepare yourself. Well, understanding that temptation is going to come can help you just prepare and be ready. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't pretend that it's not. Because it's common to every man. Everybody is tempted. And then we take the S and put down here that we need to surrender to the Spirit. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit yourself. It's, it, it begins by submitting, submitting yourself and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But you've got to submit. The, uh, Jesus said, hey, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, thy will be done. It's whatever, Lord, whatever you want, I, I desire and want to submit to you. I want to surrender to the spirit. You know, the verses in Galatians chapter five or 16 through 21. We're just looking at verse number 16. But that passage there is talking about walking in the spirit. He says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I mean, it doesn't get any plainer than that. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
you know, you could be pretty dogmatic with somebody if you told them, well, if you're not overcoming temptation, then you're not walking in the Spirit. Because you have a very clear promise given to us there in Galatians. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And, and what, did, what did we read earlier about the idea of there about temptation? He, he says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. It is our own heart's desire, it's our own lust, our own, our own passions that, that Satan plays on to tempt us. But here he says, you walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Your own heart's passions, your own desires, that, that, all that. You can be victorious over it. You can have victory. What a promise God has given us if we'll surrender to the Spirit. And then we know we need to commit God's word to our heart. Psalms 119.11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's something about the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. God's word is powerful. It is the offensive tool that we have as Christians to stand against Satan. And the psalmist said, listen, I put God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. You have these promises from God. Someone a few months ago got upset at me because I was talking about the word of God and how powerful it is. And talked about the idea that when we read the word of God, it's quick and powerful. And sometimes we don't know what it's all accomplishing in our lives, but we believe that the word of God is accomplishing that. The Bible says it will not return void. And I don't know about you. I, I think every one of you probably are the same boat I am, that many times I've read the word of God and thought, yeah, I didn't get anything out of that. That was not real rich or, or you know, that didn't do much for me. But we know that it's the word of God. And so maybe you don't want to commit, you know, Chronicles chapter 11 to your heart. You know, maybe that's not the passage you want to memorize. But there's some others that are meaningful, that are powerful, that can help you be victorious, especially in a particular area of your life. You know, at the very least, when you're memorizing Scripture, you're not thinking about that which you shouldn't. So if you have Scripture committed to memory, when Satan comes and begins to tempt you, you can just start quoting that Scripture. And this individual that got upset at me said, yeah, well, it's not just as easy as that. That's not how you can win as a Christian. It's not just this magical quote of verse and you can be victorious. I'm just sick of Christians saying that. I thought, well, how much scripture do you have memorized? Because either the word of God is true or not. And we have a promise from the word of God. It is quick and powerful. It will not return void. And I can tell you at the very least, and I believe there's power in the Word of God, it changes lives. It convicts spirits. It, it, it brings growth. It breaks up foul ground. It draws us into the presence of God. There's many things that as we read the Word of God, it does for us. But at the very least, 
If it didn't do anything else, it will at least control your mind for a little bit. And the battle is won in the mind. So if you can put your heart and mind on the Word of God for a few minutes. Psalms 119 verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. So the word of God has cleansing power. It has healing power. So commit God's word to your heart. Then make use of the armor of God. We know Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The armor of God. You need to put it on. I'm not going to take time tonight to teach on all of the armor of God. But you know, that's what we need to have. We're going to stand against Satan. If we're going to be able to resist the devil so he will flee from you. How to overcome? Well, you expect it to come. You know it's coming. You surrender to the Spirit. Be walking in the Spirit. You commit uh, to memorize and, and commit God's Word to your heart. And you have the armor of God as part of your daily wardrobe. And then we pray for strength. Pray for strength to stand against Satan. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's saying sometimes, and, and we've all said that. Boy, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. I say that sometimes when my kids ask me to play basketball. <laughs> yeah, the spirit's willing. I want to play, son, but the flesh is weak. I'm not sure I can. Uh, you know, but in the context of this, the, the spirit, the spiritual heart of man, you know, you desire and want to do right, but sometimes the flesh is weak, and he's saying, you need to pray. Pray that you'll be able to stand in those hours of weakness. That you enter not into temptation. Man, the Lord's Prayer itself, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And beloved, we need to eschew evil. That's a Bible word. Eschew evil. 1 Peter 3, verse number 11 says, Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. It should be the heart of a Christian where we really get to the place that we just despise evil. That would go a long ways to getting victory in your life. You know, it's not very often that I'm tempted to eat chocolate ice cream. Because you guys know I don't like chocolate ice cream. (laughs) I don't like it. It's not that I hate it. It's just, it's not what I would pick. And probably, if that's all there is, I probably would go without ice cream. It's just... That's just not, I just don't like it. Some of you are like, there's something wrong with our pastor. We need to pray for him. <laughs> yeah, just let's, let's have some fasting and prayer right now. He has issues. 
<clears throat> what I'm saying is, you know, when you get to the place where you just really don't like something, it's not that hard to not partake of it. The problem with a large portion of Christianity today is that we have got comfortable with the world and with sin. And we don't mind being close to it, letting it be part of our lives, having it around. You got to come to the place, beloved, where you despise it. In the Bible days, leprosy was not only common, it was something that was so contagious that lepers were kept outside the city walls. These lepers, oftentimes, when they got hungry enough, they would sneak or try and find their way into the city. They would try and hide and blend in with the crowd until they got close enough to a merchant to steal some of their food. Anything to get some food because nobody cared for these outcasts. Well, the merchants would keep a pole close by. And when they saw a leper coming up, they had this full pole, which was 10 feet. As I was reading this story, I couldn't help think about our six-foot rule, right? This social distancing. They had 10 foot that they felt like if they were at least 10 foot away, they were protected. They had a 10 foot pole. And as these lepers would come up and try and get some of their food, they would grab this 10 foot pole and they would hold them off and say, no, no, you can't come up here. Stay, stay back. And that's where the phrase comes from. I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Because that was pushing them away, keeping them. It was guarding them from it. Christian, we need to have some 10-foot pole Christianity with regards to temptation, with regards to evil, with regards to sin. We, we, the problem is, is we've got to the place, you know how these people are thrill seekers and it seems like the closer they can get to the edge, the, the more death-defying the feet, the, the more they like it. Well, I think Christians have done that with sin. I mean, if I had a cobra up here and I, I had this cobra sitting here and I told you he could jump and give a lethal strike if you're within five feet, would you come up here and stand at five feet two inches? Well, let's see if he can read. No, you wouldn't do that. You would stay back. But the problem is, is too many Christians today have lived their life and they just, this is wrong and I know it, but I'm, I'm going to get right here. I'm just going to see how close I can get and not get dirty. Yeah, my dad always, you know, he's always in a suit pretty much anyway, but he would always, uh, he'd just do whatever in a suit. I mean, if we were laying carpet after church tonight, dad would take off his coat, take off his tie, and he would help us lay carpet in a suit, you know. And, of course, he would get glue or something on a suit. It's inevitable. He's always going to get something on a suit. We're like, Dad, you can't do that in a suit, you know. And uh, it just, it's always been that way. He's just going to get involved in whatever's going on. But, you know, Christians are that way. We're like, oh, I'm going to see how, what I can do. Can I get involved in this or be part of that and not get dirty? Well, you know the old saying, you can't lie down with the dogs without getting fleas. 
So we got to get to the place where we eschew evil, where it's really part of our life that we just say, I don't want it. I can't stand it. I'm going to stay away from it. So how do you overcome temptation? Use the escape that God has given all of us, and you'll be victorious.